and we're live. We're live. <laughs> I think so. I hope so. We'll find out. We are live. Great. Okay. First of all, my name's Jess. Just kidding. It's just a bit of a more masculine voice today. Um, now, Jess, who is our guest today, um, doesn't know about this yet. But when I was waiting for our last time that we did a podcast, I wrote out a theme tune um, and didn't actually do it because I forgot. So I've had it in my notes this whole time and left it as a surprise. Um, this could be awful. I've only probably rehearsed this, this once. A theme tune for this specific podcast? Yes. Yes, correct. Don't be too amazed. There's no music or anything to it. I literally just wrote the lyrics and hoped for the best. So here we go. And breathe, and breathe. No one has a clue. This is Jess O'Leary's new podcast where she brings news to you. She's got a guest. Time to talk some fresh topics while she's shitting on the loo. Or learn something about the world. Let's get into it. Yoo-hoo! That's so good! How's that? <laughs> I feel the need to, like, give everyone a bit of context. Alex is an MC, so he... Run, like he just runs events so he has absolutely no shame and he knows how to hold a crowd and that is how you do it i'm so <laughs> impressed i'm wow can you send me those lyrics i have yeah i can do I that yeah i'll we'll do it after this i live like. with a music producer so i'm legit gonna get him oh to they could probably do a much better job of that and feel free to tinker those lyrics a lot as well 10 out of 10 <laughs> So yes, anyway, welcome to the Breathe No One Has A Clue podcast. Now, this is a very special version of it because first of all, we're live in video this time for those who want to watch rather than just listen, crazy. So no pressure on our guest and I today because like there's visuals involved so we can't make stupid hand gestures or faces anymore. Um, and second of all, it's special because today, the typical host of the podcast is now the guest of the podcast, which is the wonderful Jessica O'Leary. Very, very exciting. How are you today, Jess? Am I supposed to take a bow or something? No, I'm joking. Um, this is really weird. I like I obviously rate it a lot, but I feel like you're gonna put me out of a job here. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think I could do that. Sometimes you need a refreshing Irish accent and this uh, British one doesn't quite cover those bases. Well, in fairness, your episode went down very well. It's been the most streamed episode so far. And everybody's like, Alex's voice, Alex's voice. <laughs> I listen to it in the morning. I listen to it in the evening. Oh, God, get out of there. <laughs> photographic evidence. Oh, okay. I'll take your word for that. Anyway, I should probably properly introduce you first. So... Jess, the host, is 23, or the usual host, is 23 years old. She's Irish, from the Ireland of Ireland, specifically Dublin, the capital, and is currently based back in Dublin, having travelled quite a lot of the world in the past few years. I'm just making an Irish Those flag. Those watching at home, what, what are you doing, Jess? I'm making an Irish flag with my props here. Can you see it? Oh, I see it, yeah. You've got your green, your white, and your orange. <laughs> <laughs> that's very impressive um yeah so you've traveled the world quite a bit Jess but you're back in Dublin right now um and you studied biochemistry at university and you then went on to do a master of science in international business but you suddenly dropped out dun 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 so hopefully we can find out a little bit more about that today 
Um, in terms of the awards and the things you're most proud of, you have managed to hack your degree, which is incredible. Is there a tutorial for this? Um, you can ask me about it. <laughs> okay, we can, we can talk about that. Um, you've also hacked the leaving certificate, which is incredible. Can, can you high school, is it? The leaving, I think that's fair. I think most people that know me were very surprised. So yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> but you've managed to do it and you're still here today. There you go. You know, a whole variety of languages is to my understanding. Some more fluent than others. Is that right? Um, yeah, I say I can speak Irish. I definitely can't, but I can try. <laughs> Um, but I do speak fluent French and Spanish. That's amazing. So that's plus English, so three and a half languages. Yeah. So yeah, I can. That's I can really incredible. That. Oh, and I I started learning Mandarin when I was living in China. So I've got like the basics for anyone that studied Mandarin before. HSK level one is my. That's my go-to. <laughs> <laughs> I can that's say, quite incredible I because say, i feel like mandarin is quite different to those other like english french spanish irish so different. But, but it's so yeah different. so basically i can say i like red wine so <laughs> which really is the only phrase you probably need to know when going to china exactly or any country for that matter <laughs> yeah, that's amazing um, some of your other proud accomplishments, Jess, are getting a job at Fonterra and getting onto the Velocity team at the University of Auckland. Mm -hmm. And your future accomplishments is Hydro Food, which I'm sure will be the main topic of conversation today. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I hope so. Um, we, yeah, it's going well so far. So we'll see. We'll see where the wind takes us. Yes, I can't wait. And you're currently the founder and director of Hydra Foods, uh, the Breathe No One Has a Clue podcast, which is obviously what this is right now, and Gen Z Consulting. Yeah, that's, that's that is, my day job or my um, three day jobs. That's incredible. Like at 23 to have three day jobs. That's... Well, it's quite, it's, it's interesting and I'm sure we'll get into it because in January I I feel like everyone hits rock bottom at multiple times in their life but like January was bad you know yeah, so where I am now is quite fascinating and I think yeah. it's kind of what's happened in the last couple of months that have led me to start the podcast because if I learned anything during that pretty dark and unpleasant time it's that your environment and your circumstances actually dictate a lot. So not mm -hmm. to force, just not to force things. Um, because, you know, it, I was, I was definitely forcing things, even though I was doing way less, what I was doing, I wasn't enjoying, but I felt like I had to do it. Whereas yeah. I took all the pressure off and now all of a sudden I'm doing everything and I love it. So I'm doing way more, but I'm way happier. So so how have you actually managed to do that? Because to go, what's, what was the process behind it? Is that quite a long story you want to save for in a moment? Or do you want to go um, into that? Yeah, there's probably, yeah, it probably will be more, it'll make more sense if there's a bit more context. Okay. Um, so you tell me where okay. you want to do that. All right. 
Well, do you want to start off with something fun and exciting for us to help? Now that I've done the theme tune, you can make a song. Um, like confession, I'm really not fun and really boring. I highly doubt that. <laughs> but okay. I refuse to believe it. Where do you want a story from? Do you want a story from today? Do you want a story from this week, this month, this year, my life? Give me I'm a frame. Your life. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you your your whole life. So you've got a you've got an infinite time frame here. No pressure. Alex, you know that that's not fair. It's absolutely fair because I am now the host of this podcast as of this episode only. Okay, give me give me like some. Give me a starting point. Okay, so you've travelled around a lot of countries, specifically how many? Uh, the last time I counted, I think, was 42, but I feel like that's that, that was a while ago, so it could be different now. So you've been to 42 different countries, roughly, and you're trying to think of a single fun story from one of those. No, I'm telling you I have loads of stories, but I don't know which, like... I obviously know them all, so I can't really tell what's fun or what's not fun. Um, okay. Do you want, like, do you want an accident? Do you want something stupid? Do you want, like, an what's arresting, being yeah. arrested want... story? Like, where do you want this to go? Something stupid. Yeah, something really stupid. Something really stupid. Oh, God. Um, this is hard. I'm, like... My brain's like choo, 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 going through the film rolls of like. The four guests by now. I'm amazed you haven't thought of one of these already. Yeah. Well, oh, see, normally I talk secret here. Normally I talk to the guests before, so I give them a, a cue. <laughs> okay, no, my most fun story is an accident, but it's a really stupid one. So I feel like to contextualize my extensive travels for someone of my age, I need to explain that my parents love travel so I've been really 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 spoiled in that from day one like I was flying so I got my first passport when I was born the week I was born because my mom wanted to take me to Paris as a newborn baby to introduce me to her sister because her sister couldn't come to Ireland because of work so she decided to take the newborn to Paris as you do, as you do. so that kind of set me up in life and my parents have just like given myself and my sister the most incredible gift by taking us all over the world from a really young age and um, which I think has given me has kind of like I don't want to like accelerated my aging <laughs> but in terms <laughs> of kind of wisdom and life experience um I feel like you learn a lot from being exposed to different cultures. So that's probably my greatest. I, like if I had to choose my number one skill, it would be probably empathy. Just from like seeing and understanding that there are so many different ways to live a life and none of them are right or wrong. Okay, no, there's definitely right or wrong. You know, if you're, if you hurt somebody else in any way shape or form that's in my books wrong but there's no right way to live out your life in terms of your choices career-wise family-wise that sort of thing mm -hmm. so when I was 12 I finished primary school and I had eight weeks off before going to secondary school and my parents had kind of saved up for years had saved up money and had saved up holidays from work 
so that they'd be able to take these eight weeks off. And we did an eight week trip, the four of us as a family, so my parents and my one younger sister, um, through South, Central and finished up in North America. So that was definitely the best trip of my life, like ever, nothing, like so many things have compared, but you can't obviously beat an eight week trip with your family as a 12 year old to like so many ridiculously cool places. Yeah. Like when anyone asks me where my favorite place I've been is, I do think about it because I've been to lots of cool places, but it's still the Galapagos Islands in Ecuador. Oh yes. Like, wow, 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 wow. And I'm sure we can go into travel in a lot more detail later, but yeah. my favorite stupid story is on this same trip, we were driving from Mexico to Guatemala. And no, from Guatemala to Mexico. So we'd had a really cool time in Guatemala and we had about a 10 hour car ride in like one of those travel minivans to get to Mexico to cross the border. And these borders are a bit, what's the right word? There's a lot of procedure and customs to make sure that illegal stuff isn't happening. Yeah. Which is good. It's a great thing. It's just very heavily policed. So we got in the car at like 4 a.m., drove, 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 didn't really stop. Um, so we hadn't really eaten. We hadn't really drank anything. It was hot, like hot, hot, hot. So sweating lots, lack of food, lack of drink. We were all, I was about to say fucked, but my parents listened to this podcast and have been giving out to me for how much I curse. <laughs> Well, you've already done it now, so you've blown that one. May as well carry oh, it on for the rest of the episode now. Poor shape to say the <laughs> Um, not alcohol related this time. Um, oh, I was, and basically, we had to get out at the border. We were going to have like a two-hour wait, so we all kind of went off, found a little store to buy some food and some drinks. It was like forty degrees, super dry. We're in the middle of like a desert basically in between Mexico and Guatemala. So I found myself a little doorway that has shade and I'm like, Oh sweet. I'll go up here. And I'm pretty sure it was like the police station or something. I don't know. I was 12. I was like shade and water. I'm in. Mm -hmm. And so I was standing there leaning against the door. There was kind of like a small ramp, like, you know, one of those, like where you can wheel a wheelchair up, like a very yep. gentle gradient, but a step up. And it was like, it fell off the sides on either side. And I was just leaning on the edge like this. And then I woke up on the ground. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> hello. So it turns out I had just fully passed out from like exhaustion, heat, lack of electrolytes. But what had happened was that my leg on the right hand side had twisted off the side of the ramp. So it wasn't gory, it wasn't anything strange or startling, but I tore two ligaments in my knee and two in my ankle. Ooh. So when we arrived later on in Mexico, it was a bit of an adventure for a couple of days because we had a, a guide taking care of us and he took us to the doctor, but obviously he took us to his friend doctor, not the hospital. So <laughs> we were in this dodgy place. I may or may not have got x-rays, I don't even remember. But I ended up leaving with a full leg cast from my toes Ooh. to my like underwear, full yeah. leg. 
But because we were traveling to the US, I wasn't allowed to get a hard cast in plaster. So it was a soft cast. Still did yep. the same job. It was really cool. And I got like really cool crutches. <laughs> it was legit. And then anyway, so that was me, happy out, middle of my trip, full leg cast. Had to, so we were leaving Mexico to fly through Houston, Texas to Las Vegas, mm -hmm. <laughs> as you do. So we and basically goes, had this really we had this really cultural trip for seven weeks. And then the last week we just went to like Vegas and then San Francisco. <laughs> so <laughs> actually, no, we went to Vegas for two nights and flying through the airport, I had to like be wheelchaired the whole way, which was so much fun. But because it's America and they're like, they do things their way, mm -hmm. they weren't allowed to wheel me through the scanner and I wasn't allowed to use my crutches. So I had to hop for like 20 meters through like the thing to make sure I wasn't oh carrying anything in my cast as a 12 year old, which was kind of hilarious. But then I was due to have this cast on for about eight weeks. But best way to round out this story is that we arrived in Vegas, spent two nights in the Bellagio, which was really funny after like spending eight weeks on the road, like definitely not roughing it, but like in the most random places, like sleeping in a tent in the Amazon jungle. And now all of a sudden I'm in like this hotel in Vegas. Yeah. And uh, we were preparing to drive, to hike into the Grand Canyon. And basically there was no doctors or anyone around and I felt fine. So my parents and I were just like, fuck it, let's just take off the cast and then you can just hike the Grand Canyon. Holy moly. So it was great. And I loved every second of it, zero regrets, but I did get a really bad knee injury when I was 14 because it never recovered properly. Oh no. <laughs> and as a result of that knee injury from growing too fast and playing too much hockey when I was 14, I have now ended up with a recurring back injury uh, that oh. I've had for 10 years. So it's fine. It's fine most of the time. It only gets bad if I'm stressed or if I spend too much time at a desk. But mm. um, there you go. That's crazy. Because one of my first questions was going to be, how well do you still remember that holiday given that it was back when you were, what, 12, was it? Mm -hmm. But clearly, from the number of adventures and like breaking your ligaments, uh, certainly would be something that you would remember it for. It's quite interesting. Um, I've, I'm a very, very visual person. So in terms of learning and in terms of memory, uh, both of those things are very visual for me. Mm. So when it comes to trips and details, like I was chatting with a friend last night about when we met, the first time we met a couple of months ago. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know why, but I was describing what both of us were wearing. He was like, yeah. how, how do you remember that? And I was like, that's just normal for me. Yeah. 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 It's funny that some people can just remember things like that and other people, yeah, find it absolutely baffling. Yeah. And so like, I find it interesting when people can remember like a very specific song in very certain scenarios as well. That's another one that's quite common. People who have like music memory, um, and I it never even crosses my mind. I'm like, how on earth do you remember that? But yeah. anything to do with that sense for you, like if you smell a certain smell, does it transport you somewhere? Yes, yeah, so I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a, another one, or like a food that you were having at that time. Yeah, uh, that's, so, so cool. that's so cool. 
So would you ever do that trip again? Like, have you ever returned to South America since? Um, I haven't returned to South America since, no. So it is like, I've kind of gone the opposite way in all my recent years travels. Um, it's all been Asia. Yeah. Obsessed. I could spend the rest of my life there. No problem. Well, that's not true. I love Europe so much. Um, but I want to do a huge South America trip. And when I say huge, I mean minimum six months. Wow. That's definitely big. Yeah. But I'm going to like, I'm not going to do it yet because I want to prepare in the sense that I want to, um, I want to have enough money that I don't need to work whilst I'm doing it. And I want to just like completely go off the grid, no phone, no nothing. I'm going to have money, travel documents, a notebook and a film camera. That's it. Wow. That would be so cool. That's my plan. Would you do it with someone or with other people or would you try and do it all alone? Or I, think because, I think because I want to go for like a while and because I also have friends in lots of different places, I think it will be like, I'll probably like create a website or something. And like, obviously I'll tell my friends everything, but I'll create the website with like my very loose itinerary. And my itinerary will be like, okay, for these two weeks, I'll be in Chile chile ish for these like four weeks i'll be in brazil ish so i'll have like a blueprint and then each week like once a week i'll hop online on a computer somewhere and um like write an update of like what i've done that week and like what's planned for next week and then basically i mean i'd love to do it with someone i'd love to do it with like i'd love to have one definite travel companion for the whole thing or most of the thing and then have like friends that just join here or there like what suits them so like you might be working but you might have two weeks off and you say oh for two weeks i want to hike the andes yeah class <laughs> i think that's such a good way of doing it i think there's a, there's a a bit of a concern well not a concern but you kind of when you travel with someone depending on who there's always a bit of nervousness around it's a very different dynamic when you're traveling with someone versus when you're just friends with them or when you've been, even when you've been living with them, like it's all very different dynamics. So exactly. and whether that's a romantic partner or otherwise, the, the relationship kind of changes, I guess, with those different environments and places that you are. For sure. For sure. Um, so that's what I really like to do. And also I have, friends and family that live in South America. So I feel like I wouldn't need to do it all in one go. So I could do like two months travel, one month living in, let's say Lima in Peru. And I could work for a month, just like from there. And then I could like travel for another two months and then I can work in Sao Paulo in Brazil for like two weeks. And then I can travel again. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm very, yeah. I'm basically, I kind of like, I kind of live my life by having blueprints. So having a rough idea about where I want to go or what I want to do in everything. And then I just kind of take each day as it comes, go with the flow, roll with the punches. How do you work, like, whether this be professionally or just on a friend's basis with people who are totally different to that? So those who are very structured with the way they do things like they want everything mapped out every little detail done i can do that i love structure 
so in that's kind of like my that's kind of like how my life goes but in work I have very defined routine and structure so at the moment life has been a bit crazy since to be honest I haven't had a proper routine since before Christmas mm -hmm. um there were a few weeks in February when I was getting my life on back on track that my day was like really structured and that was amazing. That was exactly what I needed to get myself kind of back in the saddle. Um, but especially the last two to three months, it's just been nuts and it's exhausting. So I am really, really excited to have like routine back in my life in the sense that I basically plan my weeks in advance. So I sit down on a Sunday for an hour and literally like have an hour by hour schedule and I schedule the whole week. And cool. basically I schedule like all my work stuff, all my exercise, all my self-care is the wrong word, but all of my like wholesome things like reading or writing or meditating or whatever, schedule my social life and basically have it all in there. And that kind of sounds really full on, but I also schedule downtime. So for example, I'll schedule three hours of nothing on a Tuesday afternoon but it's scheduled nothing can go into that box mm -hmm. or I'll schedule like 12 hours on Saturday with nothing it's that kind of so way what do, you, what do you actually do in that time then do you, is that more socializing do whatever you want kind of thing or yeah, that's, more, that's more that I have time because like I said things crop up every day right so it's more that I need to have the structure in my week so I know what's happening when. And then I need to also have free time so that I can just hang out or I can go for coffee or I can decide to go for a swim. And like, so none of that stuff needs to be scheduled. But I need to like, so you can call me on Friday night and say, Jess, do you want to go swimming on Saturday? And I say, yeah, any time between like 10 and 4 is good for me. Gotcha. That's cool. I, I kind of understand that a bit more now with your whole blueprint of what you want to yeah. do, plus that spontaneity involved at the same time. It's so it's so funny. I think the best way to describe myself is like I'm just a walking contradiction. I literally contradict myself all day, every day. So yep. I'm, in one sense, I'm for the birds and I'm completely go with the flow. But in another sense, to be my best self, I need structure and routine. Yeah. So this is how I have both. Yeah. I think that's good. I think it's good to have a good balance. Uh, some people fall very much on the extremes and yeah. others are very much in the middle. Yeah. Um, I think as you become, as what's typically as people become older, they go into that more routineliness of a day as opposed to that spontaneity, which I think is more prevalent when you're younger. Yeah. So I think at but, the moment, so for the last, especially two months, I've had no routine and no structure. And instead yeah. of like being either really lazy or hyperproductive, I basically have like a super intense work life where I'm working anywhere from 60 to 100 hours a week. And then I have a super intense social life, not necessarily in person, we're still in a pandemic, but like on yeah, Zoom, in, since the lockdown has lifted in Ireland, it has been in person, hmm. um, just mostly like outside and stuff. But like, yeah. I, because I'm having both of those so intense, my rest, my sleep, my exercise, my diet, they're massively suffering. 
And for me, those four things are kind of like the pillars that need to be solid for everything else to work. Yeah, I would fully agree. You touched on it just before in your sort of introduction, but you said the first few months of this year were quite rough compared to where you are now. Yeah. Are you, do you want to touch on that a bit? Yeah, now's a good time. So basically, I feel like particularly in Ireland, kids live a very structured life. Um, you know, from primary school through secondary school, especially if you're in a secondary school like mine, like your school is your life in the sense that you have your defined structure in the classroom. Then you have your defined structure outside the classroom because your sports are intense as well. And then okay, I wasn't a boarder for the first five of my six years of school, but in the evening then you do still have a defined structure because you've got like homework and dinner and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so like until I was 18, my life was just like day in, day out routine. And then you go to college and it's completely new, but pretty quickly you develop a new routine, right? Because you've got a timetable handed to you. You figure out your clubs, you figure out your social life, you figure out your sport. So once that's figured out, it's the same deal, right? Yes, okay, you might go out on a Tuesday night and a Thursday night and you might not go to your lectures, but you still have a structure, right? Anything spontaneous is your choice. Mm -hmm. And then you finish uni when you're 21, 22, 23, 24, who knows? Uh, If you go straight into uni, obviously, if you're mature, underage, that's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. But then you finish uni and it's like, oh, fuck what's like now no one's telling me what to do so you have to figure it out for yourself for the first time and that's not a bad thing and some people figure it out really soon and some people never figure it out um and that's the whole the whole podcast is literally about that gray that twilight zone it's literally about like how to not panic when all of a sudden you're in the big bad world and you've no idea what you want to do um because that was me so i had I did my biochem degree. I would have loved to do a double, triple, quadruple major, but that's just not really a thing in Ireland, um, aside from some specific subjects. So I always knew I wanted to study science, but on the other side of the coin, always knew I was going to end up in business. Like, sorry, lab is just not the place for me. I want to take the ideas and the science from the lab and turn it into something that affects people's lives. So how did, how did you know that at that point? Like... How did you know, like, you, you went into a, a biochemistry degree, right? Yeah. But you always knew you wanted to go into this business side of it. So why, why, first of all, why did you go into the biochemistry in the first place because of that? So I was quite unusual to most people in that I had all the points in the world. So I could have pretty much studied any course, um, but I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to study like zero there were a few things I definitely didn't want to study so I didn't want to do law I dappled with the idea of doing medicine super interested in the medicine world but I didn't want to be a doctor easy I didn't want to do arts I didn't want to do What's something else that's quite traditional? Languages? No. So the things that did interest me were medical and health sciences, 
okay. any of the sciences. So maths, physics, chemistry, any of them. Um, computer science and engineering. So all of those, like particularly biotechnology, all of that sort of thing. So for my leaving certificate, which is the Irish state examinations for finishing school, um, I basically studied four languages, English, Irish, French, Spanish, and four sciences. So higher level maths, physics, chemistry, biology. Very, that's quite unusual. Um, most people do more of a mix, but basically this, okay, I'm going to explain how I hacked the leaving cert. So okay, go on. most people study everything, but my brain was like, okay, I want to get the most points possible in these exams because it's, could, compared to other countries in the world, it's just based on one set of exams. Your, your other core, like your work doesn't matter. It's this exam is pretty much everything. You might have a project that's worth like 10%, but that's it. So I was like, okay, how am I going to do the best possible on these exams? We had to study, so six subjects count for your points. And in most schools, you study seven subjects. But in my school, you studied eight. Who knows why? Yeah, so, so I was like, compulsory subjects are maths, English, and Irish. Grand. Two languages, I already spoke, French and Spanish. Grand, that's five three subjects left to choose from. I was like, okay, I love history. I love economics. I love, well, business was kind of bullshit in school, so that never interested me, but accounting I would have loved. Um, geography, political science. So there were lots of subjects I was interested in, but all of those ones are all essay-based. And I was like, two things. First of all, writing an essay for all of these subjects every week, one is incredibly time consuming. And two, anything that involves writing an essay is subjective to correct. It depends right. entirely on the examiner. So if I do history, yes, obviously I need to know all my facts, but at the end of the day, I can write the same essay as you. We can say all the same facts, but the examiner will prefer one of our styles and that person will do better. Yeah. So I was like, fuck that if you think I'm taking a gamble. Um, and I was like, well, science is right or wrong. There's a marking scheme. Like, that's it. You, you either have an answer or you don't. You either know it or you don't. You understand it or you don't. So, and I was really interested in all the sciences. Anyway, it wasn't like I forced myself to study them. So that's how I chose my subjects. And it worked out. So basically... Four languages, French and Spanish were always going to go well because I speak them. English and Irish, however, were literature-based subjects. So these guys fell under the essay writing category. So I was like, mm -hmm. F that if you think I'm writing essays all week. So Irish, I dropped to ordinary level. From, so in Ireland, you have higher level and ordinary level. So I dropped ordinary level basically so I could be in a class that kind of took the piss and you didn't have to do any work. So that was yeah. the start of my last two years of school. So never had to work for Irish. Then with English, I was in the higher honours class and basically decided to drop. We had like a really great teacher, loved him. We never had too much work. It was just like interesting work. So really enjoyed that. But then around the time of the mock examinations, I did the higher level mock and then I was like, sir, listen, I've no, like, I've no interest in spending the next four months 
writing a four-page English essay a week. Oh, we're back. Did that freeze for you? Just completely dropped. Yeah, it was really weird. You just froze for ages. I don't know whether it was my connection or yours. I'd say it was probably my connection. I, does it say that we're recording again? Yeah, it's, it didn't stop recording. It's still recording now, so you can just edit that bit out if you want. Do you, you remember the bit you're up to when it froze? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. where did you hear up until? Because I was still talking. Uh, you were talking about how you'd done the essays with the English and the Irish. Yeah, so basically I was teacher. You like, dropped the Irish because you were like, nah, don't like it because of the O-level and yeah. that. Yeah, so I did that. And then with um, the English, I told my teacher, I was like, listen, I'm not interested in writing all these essays between now and June. Um, I'm going to drop to ordinary level. And he disagreed. He was like, this is a really stupid idea. Like, you shouldn't drop. And I was like, I know, but it's my decision to make, not yours. Um, <laughs> so he was like, well, stay in this class because it will be more interesting for you. But if you want to go study in your room, you can. Or like, if you want to just work on your own stuff, you can. So I was like, this is the sweetest deal ever. <laughs> so, and the reason I could afford to take these decisions was because I knew I had six subjects that I was definitely going to count. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, I could work my ass off in English, but at the end of the day, I'm not a talented writer. I write a lot now, but back then I didn't. And I was like, the max I'm going to get is a B, max. And yeah. I was like, I'm going for higher points than that. So I'd rather put that time into my science subjects. So long story short, I that just worked for me. So I got like all A's and it went really well that's amazing that's so so cool I can see why that's one of your biggest achievements now like yeah. out of high so school. because here's the thing is anybody that studied or lived with me for that year will tell you that I did no work myself yeah. and Lauren became addicted to the Kim Kardashian phone game so, oh yes so everybody everybody was like studying in prep and the two of us would just be like lying on our beds playing this game <laughs> and that's coming really helpful hasn't it so all i needed to do was like i had to do my work for french and spanish sure but i just needed to study four subjects and like at the top by the time you get to the exams you've done so many past papers for those in class and you've done so many class tests that like you just didn't really need to do it. Um, so the reason that I learned my sciences so well is not that I was like better than anyone else because I definitely wasn't. I just understood things a little bit faster. So then I was a boarder for my final year of school and it was basically just like living with my best friends and the girls would come to me with questions if they didn't understand something. And I swear to God, explaining concepts to them is how I learned it. That's so good. I think that is a great way of learning. It's certainly one I've found the same thing. Again, it kind of ties back into what we were saying about the learning with, you know, people have different ways of learning things. But I think explaining something to someone is the best way because it, sh it kind of reiterates in your own head yeah. as well as you can break it down into really simple points for that person that you're trying to help teach. For sure, for sure, for sure. So that was, that was literally it. So I did really well. Everyone was shook and they were like, Jess, what the fuck? And I was like, 
It's me, it's me, so me. are you. It's me, <laughs> Um So I, I, like, honestly, when I opened that page of results, I literally, like, gasped, dropped the page yeah. on the floor. My mom was with me, and she started panicking because she thought it was bad news. And then yeah, she right. took the page and, like, screamed and started crying. I was like, oh. It was That's really so nice. cute. It was so wholesome. So Aww. that was cool. And then I basically, by process of elimination, decided that science was the most general subject that I could study. Um, because for the first two years, you don't specialize. You just study all the different science subjects. So yep. I did that in UCD in Dublin. Then I studied abroad for my whole of third year in New Zealand. That's mm -hmm. where I really started to come into my own. I kind of met people that were like my sort of people um, yep. and got much more involved. When I was in UCD, I was involved in hockey, but that was it. Whereas when I was in New Zealand, I was involved in sports and like extracurricular. Mm -hmm. Loved it. And then I knew that I was able to finish my science degree in three years. That is a hack Ooh, for anyone in Ireland. Hit me up because you can finish your degree in three years and basically you can scan the system so that you basically do no work and still get first class honours. That's so good. Is that um, a normally a four-year degree? This is a recurring theme, isn't it? <laughs> um, so that was really good. So I actually finished my biochemistry degree when I was in New Zealand. And then I knew that I wanted to do business. So my plan all along was basically to either go straight into industry and then go back and do an MBA in a few years or go straight into a business master's and use that as a tool to get me into tech companies. Mm -hmm. So I went with the second option, um, got accepted to the main business school in Ireland. Um, there's kind of, there are a couple, but there's one main one called Smurfit that's associated with the university that I went to. Do so, they have um, little blue people with white hats around at Smurfit? That's the okay, university. Mm -hmm. gotcha. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're not allowed to paint your body though. Oh damn. No, nothing like that. But you no. can wear you can wear a blue morph suit. Okay, that'll that'll have to do. Yeah. We'll accept that. Yeah. So got accepted there. Was like on the shortlist for a scholarship. But then I got accepted to a French business school who basically had campuses all over the world, which meant that I could study not only in France but in China, Brazil, and Raleigh in North Carolina. Whoa. So I wouldn't even need to do an exchange. I could just choose my campus. Jessica O'Leary, obviously I was going to choose that one. Yeah, obviously. definitely. Yeah. Um, which ended up with being the biggest blessing and the big, biggest curse. So I started, was living in the south of France. Beautiful, beautiful place. Um, really hated my classes, hated my courses. I found it so boring compared to what I'd studied before. It just felt like, it's not to say that business was easy. Business studies aren't easy, but compared to biochemistry, they're straightforward. Like you don't need to understand, it is in English. Um, so that was one thing, but also I was pretty much the only native English speaker. Everyone else was either French or from another country. Mm -hmm. So, my courses were all in English, but everything was a little bit dumbed down because it was in English for everyone. Yeah, so right. when it was dumbed down, it was more that like, 
the standard for written work was low. And that also meant the standard of project work was low. So that I find particularly challenging because I'm kind of go get them. So the reason I was doing a master's was to accelerate my career. Mm -hmm. And within four weeks, I was like, I'm going backwards. I'm literally going backwards here. And I met some really cool people, but I also met a lot of not nice people. Um, people who had no idea what they wanted to do with their lives and daddy was paying for their business degree. Right. Um, you know, not that I can make a judgment on that, but I, I had very specific reasons for studying a business degree. And they weren't really to do with the subject matter. They were to do with the network and to do with the experience working with other companies through projects. And basically I was like, well, this is not giving me a network. This is giving me rich assholes and that's not what I need. And we didn't work with companies ever. So I was like, this is bullshit. This is what I was sold in a degree and this is not what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really lucky in that I met some really, really, really great people though. You know, all the people in the world aren't bad. There are obviously going to be gems. So throwing a shout out to Anais and Jude, who were probably my two favorite people that I met while studying there. And um, yeah, so I did my first semester in France and then I was due to do my second semester in China. And then the following year I was due to specialize and I was gonna specialize in international management and I was gonna do that in Brazil and the United States. So that was that, but like straight away, I was like, okay, this course is just not living up to my expectations. And I talked to my parents about it and they were like, listen, France might be not great, but when you go to China, even if the business side of things isn't great, you're going to be living in China and studying Mandarin. So that makes it worth finishing out the year and you can decide after that. So I was like, that's a really good idea. My parents are very clever people, made a lot of sense to me. Um, but kind of two things happened. Um, haven't, I haven't not talked about this publicly, but I haven't talked about it in conversation. It's not yeah. a secret. Um, it's definitely not a secret because over 80% of the women I know have experienced some form of sexual harassment. But in November of 2018, I was at a house party with the group of friends um, my group of friends from my course. I was with the French gang as opposed to the international gang. And long story short, um, I was drugged and I, I would call it like an attempted assault. Um, basically an uninvited, I, I knew that something had happened because I don't get drunk that easily and I was gone. So I was like, this is not okay. We're in the middle of like a big house in the hills kind of job. So there was no way I was gonna be able to get a taxi or get home. Mm -hmm. So my friend who I'd come with, I was like, listen, I need to go to bed because I'm not okay. Can you come and get me when we're leaving to get the taxi home? And long story short, no one came to get me to go home. Um, but two guys came to kind of, kind of just like mess around like we're teasing and joking and stuff coming in and out of the room and I was like just having none of it so I was really aggressively telling them to get lost 
But then it's yeah. kind of scary because I have loads of messages on my phone from that night being like, um, sorry, I just need to text my team that I won't be on our daily call. Give me two seconds. Okay. Sorry, uh, won't be on today's call. Currently recording a podcast. Okay, I'm sorry. So, um, yeah, basically I was having none of this, but I can see after the fact on my phone that I had sent SOS messages, like serious SOS messages to three close friends being like, I don't feel safe. Something's not right here. I need help. And reading back those messages the next day was really scary. Um, but this, so basically I'm in this room, the guys finally leave, I'm in bed, but like in the middle of the night later, somebody shows up and basically tries to take advantage of me. Um, and I'm obviously fucked in the bed. They don't succeed in getting anywhere. Like I wasn't raped, but it's not fun to talk about because I remember everything in detail. And like I was in a state of inebriation that I wasn't fit for purpose to like actually like punch someone in the face and go running out but so I was conscious enough to be aware of what was happening and to be like able to push someone away and be like stop 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 and shout but I wasn't conscious enough to be able to leave Mm -hmm. um so long story short this went on for hours and I couldn't do anything about it and obviously eventually passed out whenever they got bored I guess um and woke up the next day the same person was still in the bed um I woke up you know when you wake up well maybe it doesn't happen maybe it happens in a lucid dream you know when you wake up paralyzed yeah so that was because I knew the exact situation immediately and I was just frozen because obviously I knew this person was in the bed beside me they were the owner of the house and I was like, fuck, because I knew that I wouldn't be able to leave the house without them letting me out because it was like a gated complex thing. Right. And I was like, as soon as I move, they're going to wake up. So I was literally paralyzed in the bed trying to formulate a plan of how to get out. And in the meantime, I had responded. I had responses from the friends that I had SOS and they were like, what, where, why, when, how, how can we help? So basically one of the guys was able to order me a taxi from wherever he was and ordered me the taxi. So I was just staying in bed. I was like seeing this Uber like arriving. I was like, okay, I have five minutes till the Uber arrives. Made an absolute run for it. Had to find clothes because somebody had taken them. Um, so just literally like found, grabbed whatever I could and just legged it. Literally ran into other people who had been staying at the house. We were like, Jess, good morning. Actually, they were two girls. Absolute, as, as my mother would say, bees with itches to like horrible, horrible French people that basically were like, oh, Jess, you were really drunk last night. I was like, yeah, of course I was fucking drunk last night. Now, can you help me get out of this fucking house? And, uh, Basically, the two of them had a proper go at me because one of the two guys that was fooling around trying to get with me at the beginning of the night was like her 
they weren't even, they both were in relationships with other people, but she was like, he's mine. You can't talk to him. It's like, but oh, I don't care. Get me out of this house. Yeah, um, right. So that was just really horrible. But then I did, I got the Uber home and then two of my friends came to my house to basically just like take care of me. And I'd kind of experienced not stuff like that before, but like most women have been hit on in life and not solicited it so most women in life had like have had an unpleasant experience at a bar have had a horrible night out have been wolf whistled at on the street have had their ass slapped by someone that shouldn't have touched it and it's horrible but it's reality for almost everyone i know but this obviously was a different level so i'm kind of very strong confident independent like i've no problem putting a guy back in his place if he steps out of line but this was just, this literally changed my life overnight in the sense that I went from being myself to being a field mouse. Like I was, my voice went from this to speaking like this all the time. Like you couldn't really hear what I was saying. I had no confidence. I wore men's baggy clothes and a hat all day, every day like no makeup, no, and it wasn't that I wasn't taking care of myself. I was just like, I want to be invisible. So I was just broken. All, I felt like the legs were just taken out from under me. I was like, how can somebody, how can somebody do that to another person? Like how can, not, not how can they actually go ahead and do what they did, but how can somebody like consciously think it's okay to take advantage, like how can someone's behavior literally reduce a confident person to dust overnight? Um, that's what I struggled with the most. And that's what I, I learned. So I'd always been really supportive of anyone with mental health issues or sexual assault issues. They were two causes that I was really passionate about. But you don't really understand until you're a victim. And it was being a victim that just I just felt so violated I just felt like all of my power and strength was taken from me um like ugh, ugh, just not fun and basically what happened as a result of that was one I already hated the school so I didn't want to stay Two, the last few weeks of the exams of that semester were deathly because your man was there he was in my class so every single day it was a serious struggle to get out of bed to go to school because I knew that I could walk around the corner and bump into him at any stage and I couldn't talk about it with the school the school had no time or interest no so I was like fuck so that was a really horrible few weeks and that was kind of my tipping point I went from here I went this was Jess and she went from being here to here and then over the course of Christmas and the rest of the next few months, I just went. Yeah, right. For the first time, for the first time ever in my life, ever. And it was only in hindsight that I was able to go, wow, Jess, like that was a proper depressive episode. And at the time, the thing about depression is you, you don't know, unless you know what depression is, you actually don't know you're depressed because mm -hmm. life is just life you just lose interest in everything. From my perspective, you lose interest in friends, you lose interest in life, you lose interest in your career. 
And the scariest thing for me then, so I did go to China and I thought of it as a new start. And I definitely wasn't in the position to have a new start because I wasn't myself. So like in terms of making friends, all of that jazz, like how can you make friends if you're socially anxious and afraid to speak to anyone? You can't. So China was the coolest place I've ever lived, but it was the loneliest, like darkest couple of months of my life for sure. Because I was in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by firewalls. You can't access anything without a VPN. So you can't just like call someone on WhatsApp because no, no. you can't. Um, like there were ways and means and I did, but it wasn't easy. So my did way of coping, go, my way directly from France to China or did you spend some time in Ireland with family and stuff? I spent, in, in I spent Christmas in Oman with my family. Okay. Right. Um, we spent Christmas in Oman and then to the United Arab Emirates, like yep. Dubai yep. and stuff. So Dubai, yeah, yeah. the common one, Abu Dhabi. So there's another Emirate called Raz, Raz Al Kamai. So we spent the first week in Oman and the second week in Raz. And basically that couldn't have gone worse because my sister was in hospital for mental health struggles at the time. She came out of hospital to come on holidays. I was definitely depressed and I hadn't told my family what had happened because they had more than enough going on with my sister. My parents were struggling because they've one daughter that's struggling abroad, one daughter that's struggling at home. And to top that all off on New Year's Eve, we were at a ball at the hotel and Danielle, my little sister, got assaulted. So she, this is not really my story to tell, so I won't tell it, but Danielle was sexually assaulted on the beach of the hotel and got delivered back to our room by a very, very frightened security person at like six o'clock in the morning and to say that she was in a heap like so we were it was a ball so she was in a floor length gown and I've like that image will be burned in my memory for the rest of my life like her literally being like handed to us on the doorstep dress shredded torn like sand everywhere all of her stuff was gone, like her handbag, her phone, like was so distraught because she knew exactly what had happened, but was too drunk to know what had happened. Couldn't find underwear anywhere. The security had looked for all of her stuff, including the underwear up and down the beach, couldn't find anything. Couldn't find anything on the security cameras. Terrifying. Ter so you can imagine like the context was already pretty bad. And then that happened, like, at least we were all together as a family, but like, that was horrible. Still really traumatic. Oh. New, Year's, New, Year's Eve, New Year's Eve is just not a good time for me. No. Ever. Not ever, but in the last like two to three years. This year was really bad. Last year that happened, as in, so Christmas just gone really bad. Christmas that just happened, that was really bad. Christmas before I had the first breakdown I've ever had in my life. So yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a rough one. Yeah, that's definitely really difficult. Yeah. I think, I think what's most important though is that you are talking about it and you're happy to talk about it in such a public forum because there's so many people, from my understanding, there's so many 
other women who go through this as you say 80 percent of women are assaulted in in some four form or another four out of five. and it's it's so unspoken about a lot of the time and yeah. obviously that the me too movement that happened a few years ago now that's kind of had ramifications and people have felt more open to be able to talk about it since but it's still very much i've i think anyway quite a taboo subject and it is because a lot of people don't want to talk about it i think i think for multiple reasons right i think even though it shouldn't be it's associated with a lot of shame like it took mm. me a long time not to feel ashamed about what had happened to me and to be honest every time i meet someone new in a romantic setting it's one of the first things i bring up because i am still embarrassed about it which makes no sense right because it was not in my control no, no, not but at I all. still bring it up. And then, but I also bring it up from like a security point of view because basically I need the person to know that I need to be comfortable with anything that happens. Mm. And then the, the real horrible thing is that girls don't talk about it with each other um, because of the whole shame thing. Because it's like, oh, it's the whole thing. Were you wearing something inappropriate? Were you too drunk? You know, how is it your fault? And that's just the most fucked up thing in the entire world. Because it's not. It's no one's fault. You could walk down the street naked, drunk. And if anything happens to you, like, yes, that's wholly irresponsible. But that's not asking for it. Nobody ever asks for it. No, not at all. I definitely made a resolve with myself last year. I've found it really hard to seek like professional help because I'm still, I find it really hard to talk about. Like this is a pretty big deal for me. Um, yeah, yeah. But I made a resolve with myself that the best way I can help people, help other people who are in my shoot, who have been in my position is to make it okay to talk and to make it okay. And to make them know that I will, I'll scratch out my calendar for a week to listen to you tell me your story for 12 hours for five days straight mm. like, you know and that's the because it's not about helping someone people don't need help people need to be heard there's a difference they need help when they're ready for help but the first step of that is acknowledgement yeah absolutely and that's often the most difficult step i think and and people will really struggle with that but hopefully those who do listen to this and the fact that you're happy to make yourself you know vulnerable and open yourself up in that way means that they really will kind of talk to you about that if you know if they and feel comfortable they definitely so. already have which is cool so basically like yeah. i've kind of posted about it on instagram once or twice um kind of on stories and then also posts i posted kind of a little bit of a life update a couple of months ago because basically with all of my quarantine posting everyone was like Jess like your life's so cool your travels are so amazing and I was like no 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 this is a highlight reel reality is not the same and yeah. I felt like I owed I didn't owe anyone anything but I felt to young people who look up to me I needed to explain that it wasn't all rosy mm. and a lot of people have reached out to me since um, yeah. which is really cool and I think it's important and I think that's why that's why I'm doing this I think there's a need for some sort of community of people our age who are going through similar difficult things. And just to basically say, like, it's okay, it's not easy. And like, the only thing that makes it slightly easier is to talk about it because we all are going through it. 
how can I ask how did you change your mindset from this kind of re- you, you talked about how you, when you're in China you were this really sort you'd kind of lost your confidence quite a lot and become more reserved I guess and from this massive incident but now you're talking how you know the importance of people acknowledging it and being able to talk about it and you yourself is able to talk really confidently about it how did you go from China to where you are now like what how how on earth did that change because it's awesome the way you're able to do it now but how can how can people transform themselves into how you're talking about it now well there's a couple of things to this right and first of all it wasn't easy it was horrible it was really horrible I was very depressed and very unwell for a very long time like there's no beating around the bush with that part so basically like especially my best pals my best pals are all over the world right my closest friends are in Ireland England Spain and New Zealand so I don't see them that often we talk online and you don't talk to someone online if you don't reach out. So I, to say I became a hermit for months on end, that's what it was. And in China, there was an excuse because I couldn't contact people. So I became really insular. Um, and it wasn't like I was thinking about anything. The best way I can describe it is I became numb. So I... Hmm. I was about to say I ate, I slept and I got through the day. I didn't really do any of those things. (laughs) I had insomnia. I didn't eat properly, if ever. And I wasn't okay. And basically what happened is I got, I became, it got to such a crisis level in China that my dad literally had to fly to China to bring me home because I was so paralyzed. I couldn't make any decisions for myself. I couldn't get out of bed. So I couldn't do anything and literally had to be rescued so I kind of told everyone that I was leaving my degree because I had a job (laughs) like I left my degree because one I was going to leave after that year anyway that was confirmed um there were six weeks left of the semester and I couldn't get out of bed in the morning so that was that and yeah he came to get me came home And then to really briefly summarize the following 12 months, right? Because it's been 12 months since that low point. Um, Basically, I went to France with my dad for Easter for two weeks. And to say, in that two weeks, I put on five kilos, ate and drank to my heart's content. We binge watched all of Game of Thrones, the first six seasons of Game of Thrones from scratch. Had never seen it before walked in the mountains ate and drank slept for 12 hours every night and at the end of those two weeks I came home and I was Jess again wow and I wasn't I wasn't Jess again I wasn't ready to go out and live my life again but I was me in the sense that I could hold a conversation again which was a huge deal because I wasn't able to talk with my family even so I could hold a Mm. conversation I could sleep I could eat and I could exercise. And that was all that mattered. So that, that's literally, like I said, those four foundational pillars, sleep, exercise, food, and I think maybe family or friendship is probably the best one to describe the last. Right. They're the important things. So then in time, 
I, my mom asked me to come and coach tennis. That was like my job that I used to have when I was in uni. I was coaching tennis and hockey in my old school. So I did that for a couple of weeks and basically I made the decision. I was like, I'm not ready to figure out what I want to do in life. So for the first time in five years, I'm taking the summer completely off. No internship, no nothing. I was like, I'm in a comfortable enough position at home and have a little bit of work that I can basically do what I want. Then that was going well, but I left home at the beginning of June and basically traveled until September. And that was amazing. And I had friends all over Europe that I was catching up with, but that quickly, like within weeks, that just spiraled out of control because I was living beyond my means. I didn't have enough money to afford it. I was staying with friends. So my, I had activities all day, every day. I wasn't sleeping because I was burning the candle at both ends. I was going out, I was going to the beach, I was drinking, I was partying, I was doing nothing, but I just wasn't sleeping. And I was just generally being quite reckless. And so basically I just lived this crazy wild summer, which was so amazing, but so not sustainable. So then when eventually I did come home in October, I was in, I was exhausted. I was in debt because I had borrowed money to fund this summer and I still had no idea what, no, I had a better idea what I wanted to do actually, but I didn't have a plan. All right. But this was the first time that I had come home after living abroad for three and a half years. And that in itself is really hard because psych, in psychology, in psychology, that was difficult. That's known, moving back home to your parents' house or moving back home in general is termed regression because that has a lot of negative side effects psychologically, just because you feel like you're going backwards, you feel like you're returning to a childhood state. So I had that to deal with. I had moving back to Ireland after three and a half years to deal with. I had the immense low and crash that comes after an immense high of the summer. Mm -hmm. I had figuring my future life out and I had working full time indefinitely for the first time in my entire life. Mm. That was October for me. Wow. So I got a job that I really wanted. So I started work full time in a tech company at the end of October. Really cool company, really cool people. Um, by Christmas, I was more depressed than I've ever been. Because the difference between China and this Christmas is that in China, I knew I was leaving. I knew it wasn't forever. Whereas this Christmas, I was like, this is my life now. Mm. I'm at home in Ireland. I'm committed to a full-time job with a contract. And that's me. So I felt trapped. I felt trapped on every single front and I was panicking. So what happened, brief story, is that, yeah, Christmas was shit, as you can imagine, because I was around family and everyone was like, is Jess okay? Is Jess okay? Is, um, what's going on with Jess? So that was shit, because obviously you know that. And yeah. also, yeah, so basically I was in France for a couple of days, just for Christmas week with my grandmother and some of my extended family. And then came back into the office on the 3rd of January, I blew off 
all of my friends and their New Year's plans, spent the spent New Year's Eve crying at home on my couch with my mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, went back into work on the 3rd of January, was back in the office. Oh no, went back into the office on the 5th of January. And on the 8th, my parents basically forced me to tell my boss I wasn't coming into work because they were taking me to the doctor on the 8th of January. And the doctor, basically, it was then that I realized that there was a problem. It wasn't just that I was stressed and that I didn't enjoy life. I was like, okay, no, you're actually, something's wrong here. And uh, I, she basically did three things. She was like, okay, here are your meds here is a psychologist you should go see and here is a medical cert for a month. Right. So like, what? <laughs> I was so good. Wait, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and she was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're not to go to work and you're to do both these things and you're to come see me in two weeks and then we'll like readjust as we go. And I was like, okay. And I was basically like, well, first of all, I'm not taking the tablets because I'm a biochemist and I don't like medicine. (laughs) I was like, fuck that. If you think I'm taking synthetic drugs for my mind, no way. I did actually try them in the end after much convincing. Um, I also tried them for like two weeks and then threw them in the bin. But that's another story. And then did go to see a psychologist. Stopped seeing her after three weeks as well. And obviously didn't go to work so I sent my boss the sixer and that was that and I was like wait so you're telling me that I just like don't need to go to work so then I didn't not that I didn't know what to do with myself but basically I spent the next month in bed (laughs) I just slept and the drugs that I was taking the main side effect was somnolence which is excessive sleeping so I'd take the meds I'd be asleep by 12 and I wouldn't wake up till the following afternoon and Mm -hmm. if anyone knows me that is my worst nightmare in life. Like I am a morning person out and out. My dream day starts at like 5.30 or 6 a.m. So having, taking a, like taking a tablet that made me sleep until 12, one or two o'clock in the afternoon was not for me. However, that was the first time I'd slept in months because when I was working, I was so stressed that I was only sleeping four to five hours a night. So anyway, extremes. Um, And then basically I spoke with friends and family in time and they told me, they just told me I needed to leave my job. And that was the most scary thing I've ever done because I've just dropped out of my degree, right? Now I'm about to drop out of my full first time job. Um, Best decision I made this year. So I left my job on the 12th of February and I panicked for three days because I was like, fuck, I've no income, I've no plans, I've no idea what I want to do in my life. And in the following weeks, I did the four things. I slept, I ate, I exercised and I spent time with friends and family. And by the beginning of March, I was me. That's awesome. That's it. And that's literally it. So basically what I learned from all of this is that when, if things are that bad, something's not right. The problem's not you. Something's not right in the environment. And that's not to say that like, you know, you need to cut all ties and like change your life. No, you don't. Mm -hmm. But talk to the people that are close to you because they'll tell you straight away. They'll say, Jess, it's the job. Jess, it's, 
the guy you're seeing. Jess, it's the fact that you haven't slept in a month. Jess, you're not exercising. Jess, you're not eating. Like everyone else around you can see you and can see what's happening. You just need to listen. What would be your advice for someone who's perhaps got people who they're, they're close to but might give them the wrong advice? So don't never give anyone advice, ever, because you're not qualified. All you can do is tell them you're concerned. So if you have a friend that you know is not themselves, because let's be honest, out of my close friends, at least half of us have been depressed this year, at least. So if you have a friend in that position, two things. One, tell them you're worried about them. Two, tell them you're there, be there. Because from my perspective, I just couldn't talk to anyone. Like my friend was so funny in March. She was like, Jess, how do we contact you? Like she was like, Facebook doesn't work. WhatsApp doesn't work. A letter doesn't work. In person doesn't work. Like, do I need to send a carrier pigeon? <laughs> yeah. It's not that I was, it's not that I can't receive the messages. I can receive them. I just can't respond because mm. I can't articulate anything. So just sending texts, sending texts with no expectations in return. That's a really hard thing to do. But if you can let someone know that you're there for them when they're ready, that's the most loving thing you can do. So like writing someone a note, sending them a message, telling them you love them and that you're there for them and that you're a pair of ears to listen. That's it. That's all anyone needs. People just need to know that they're cared for. Like, and when they're ready, they'll talk to you because it's all about feeling safe, right? I can't open up to you if I can't trust you. Yeah. I need to know that you care and that you're going to hear what I'm trying to say. So for example, the really bad friends are not the ones that try to help. It's the ones that try and give you a solution because I don't need a solution. I need someone to listen. Mm. There's a big, big, big difference. Um, so letting them know you're worried, letting them know you're there. And then the only advice you could give them is you can send them help. So you can send them phone numbers of psychologists, you can send them phone numbers of hotlines, you can send them recommendations from an expert, but you're not qualified to give advice. So mm -hmm. unless someone asks you for your opinion, don't give it. So for example, me in Ireland, the reason I post it quite often on my story, but in Ireland, the best one for mental health is paid a house. So send them the number, send them say Pieta House. you can chat online you can give them a ring it's all free there's no judgment you can send them the samaritan's phone number for the sexual one the dublin rape crisis center even though it's called dublin it's for all of ireland and they are the most amazing group of people ever so i used to work with them in the sense that i would just do a lot of not a lot actually i did fuck all but any fundraising i would do i would give to them um and I called them personally for the first time a month or two ago because I felt ready to have a conversation. And it was amazing, like amazing. Their volunteers are just 
on another level they're so good and then not only can you talk to a volunteer if you're in like a 911 situation or if you're just like need someone to talk to but then during the daytime they can pair you with a psychologist and like they will recommend the next steps for you mm. you just basically so three things and i know i'm repeating myself here but it's important tell them you're worried tell them you care tell them who to call that's it that's, that's really good advice yeah and it's important i think it's important advice um, mm. because i think the reason that most people don't get help is because they're scared and the longer you leave it the longer it's going to take to recover mm. um so that's what i did so in march basically i worked on my four pillars didn't stress about what was going to come next in life just became healthy again really like and that's what i mean i had that super structured routine with sleep food exercise and family and it was amazing and then because the thing is is once you're you the rest of the the rest of the pieces fall into place they do like if especially if you're someone that's our age you've been around long enough to know what you like and what you don't like um mm. and you will figure it out it's just like figuring out one how to be in an optimum health zone and then two how to take away all the pressure yeah for sure um because let's be honest yes some people do have a lot of pressure from their family or friends but most people don't all of your pressure is more than likely self-imposed yeah definitely um especially for people like us you know like i was talking to jamie mcdonald our friend this morning and he was like i'm just really low at the moment because i have an image of where i should be in my head at 22 and i'm not there and nobody else everyone else thinks jamie's they think he's nuts but they know that he's crushing it whereas internally himself he's not happy and the only reason he's not happy is because he's set himself ridiculous goals. he wants to be zuckerberg like there's only one zuckerberg in the world why would you want to be him i really don't know you know mm. um yeah so there's, there's the whole life story basically no it's been good i mean the whole podcast has been about you and the backstory of the person who's kind of hosted this thing for the last few episodes yeah. um i guess the one thing we haven't really touched on if you want to just go through it briefly i'm a bit conscious of time is where you are at now like what that change exactly was in march that you did um yeah. and what you're working on on, on yeah. nowadays i think we should do another episode where we can go into literally like the details of like the strategy and the tactics to okay. bring yourself from like broken to like full health i think that's yeah. interesting so I won't go into the detail now, but everyone has a different way of working on those four pillars. Just figure them out for yourself. And basically all of those things, there's so many self-help groups for all of those things and so many tools that everyone can do that. Um, take one at a time. You know, you don't need to go from zero to hero. You know, sleep first, food second, exercise third, wholesomeness with relationships fourth is how I would, that's my structure. That's my order. I would go about it. Um, in terms of what's next. So basically I, once I was myself, I was interviewing for jobs, looking for like new jobs, 
um, whilst I was interviewing for jobs, I'm kind of not the person to sit still. So I started doing a couple of online courses um, have had a huge interest in the finance world, basically was doing an, a course to become a financial analyst um, loved that. But then at the same time, so I have a list, I have a very detailed system for how I take notes and I have a list of subjects I'm interested in studying and basically had spare time so I delved into that list number one on the list was hydroponics which is a modern day technology for growing plants using water so I've been interested in this since I first learned about it in first year of science and basically started doing some research was doing my course was doing my interviews was doing my research and discovered that there was a huge market opportunity here in Ireland and the EU started working on it worked on it for a couple of weeks pitched the idea to my best friend who we had always talked about starting a business together with and she was like yes 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 and was on board straight away and the rest is history so we started in April um started mid to late April and now we're middle of June and it's going amazing. So I won't go into more detail now, but the company is called Hydro Food. Check us out on all the socials. And um, the business side of things is going well. I love it. It's like my nine to five, right? So that's my main job and it's amazing. I have so much fun. I'm working too hard, but I don't really think there's any such thing as working too hard as long as you sleep, which I'm not doing. So yeah. fuck it, I'll, um, this podcast is forcing me to go back to those pillars. Um, mm. And then as a result, basically the company was going well, but anyone who started a company knows that most people don't earn money straight away. And even when you start earning money, most people don't pay themselves straight away, mm. which is not a bad thing, but most people that start a business tend to have like six or 12 months of life savings to fund their life. However, I left my job in February and I hadn't had a paycheck since. So I realized that I was gonna to need to make money. And I kind of forgot that I do a bit of consulting work anyway. Um, so I, it seems so stupid to say as a 23 year old, but I consult on strategy, um, mostly corporate clients, but a couple of small and medium bit sized businesses as well. That's what I did all my internships in when I was in um, university. So I'm as experienced as a 23-year-old with internships under her belt can be. Um, yeah. But it's just the way I think, you know, the whole blueprint thing. It's like, figure out all the blueprints, figure out how to get there. I'm really, that's what I love. So I was like, fuck, I already do this, but it's not official. So I was like, how do I turn it into something a bit more official? where there's a bit more structure involved and I can get more clients on board. So my whole thinking with this was like, okay, if I pair back hydro food to let's say like a 40 hour work week, then I can do 20 hours of consulting. Um, and the consulting all falls under breathe. No one has a clue because it's all Gen Z, right? This is my audience. You are my audience. And it's so interesting for a corporate executive to understand how we think and to understand the problems we face in our life. So not only do I do strategy stuff, um, so everything from 
people strategy, operational strategy, um, like social media, tech. I'm not a tech person, but I'm more of a tech person than a 60 year old man that's never used a computer. Um, so that kind of how it all ties in together. So the best way to describe it is um, the concept of reverse mentorship. So most mentors are like an older person coaching a younger person, their life experience. Flip that on its head. I'm coaching a, an older person how somebody born after 1994 thinks. So cool. And pays well. So that's great. Oh. And uh, then, so that's so much fun for me because that tickles like all of my itches in terms of work. Um, and then what's the final one? Oh, the podcast. Yeah. So the podcast, just a complete bonus that happened from being bored during quarantine. Yeah. And it's really cool because thanks to you guys and thanks to all of you for your feedback and for sharing it, it's way bigger than I could have possibly anticipated, which means that it's going to be monetized from season two onwards, which is not so exciting. Nuts. Um, so yeah, if anyone one would like to sponsor me or two is interested or knows who they would like to be a sponsor, hit me up. <laughs> Yeah. I already have, already have a couple of people lined up um, and I guess you guys will hear when we launch. <laughs> Who have you got lined up for the rest of what you call season one? Are you allowed to tease them yet or do you know who? Yeah, so my sister, Danielle, mm -hmm. except we had a big argument this week and she basically disowned me so we'll have to see how that one goes. Oh dear. Um, <laughs> No, it's fine. That's how sister. That's how sisterhood works. Sister rivalry. Yeah. A friend of mine who's a psychologist called Olivia Flanagan. Uh, she's a performance consultant with Ernst and Young. Um, Jamie McDonald, um, who is a mutual friend of ours from New Zealand. He is a nutcase and has a startup called Shroop that he's run for a couple of years now. It's a tech company. Um, Adrian Hoffman. Uh, one of my best friends from New Zealand also who was involved with Jamie and Shoop and but is also entrepreneurial in his own right runs a number of, of things recently he just launched a or opened a cafe in a beautiful place in Auckland um, but he's the kind of guy so he's done a whole bunch of design consulting work for a couple of the big four at this stage and has about six projects on the go all the time and that's three yeah eight, that's eight so episodes, cool. i think i think this is episode number five i think you're right i've lost track now to be honest okay. there's been so okay. many good guests jess yeah the only thing i'm concerned about at the moment is diversity so the people i've interviewed so far are all of my best friends and my best friends happen they're from all from different countries but we're all white the two girls so doris and Gemma, obviously have asian ethnicity but that's all well and good and we definitely all think differently but we all are caucasian where yeah. i'm on the lookout for basically just out of my close friends i've two friends that i'd really like to interview and have on the podcast uh, one is an athlete called roluso lusa really cool guy and then one is a friend of mine from primary school so oh. that's going back a long time right but she's awesome yeah. and we were talking recently 
so she's a nurse on the front lines here in Ireland really cool nurse but she's also big into fashion uh, her name is Yatunde and she's nuts I love her so much so I really want to have her on the podcast as well yeah so actually now that I've said that I'm going to try and include them in season one if they're um I think you should given how topical things are in the world at the moment obviously exactly. everyone would have seen things in the news yeah um i think now is more of a good time than ever to start having those conversations exactly. i think it's important it might be a good idea to get like we've got quite deep today about um sexual assault and everything so it could be good to it's up to i mean it's up to you yeah. where you want things to go but it, it could be good to get those perspectives that I people think, don't often talk I about think that we live in a day and age where taboo things just aren't taboo anymore and um, so it's our responsibility to talk about them and to shed a spotlight on them mm. you know like yes i'm a woman so i've experienced a huge amount of discrimination in my life but i come from a white privileged background so i've obviously been benefited like the reason hydro food exists and the reason that this podcast exists is because i'm a white woman and i have access to money platforms and people give me time and mm. i feel an enormous responsibility to use my platform to to basically lift other people up onto my shoulders mm -hmm. and, and get those voices out that might struggle otherwise perhaps not that they struggle but they've just never it's not e it's not as easy right yeah you know like these people can do it but they're gonna face 20 more hurdles than i will mm. that would know. be so cool to listen to in season one if you can get it done yeah i'm gonna i was i have plans with both of them this week so cool. i've, I've, Definitely I've social plans with both of them this week so yeah. that wouldn't be difficult no that'd be so cool yeah that's awesome Okay, this Jess, is where what what is huh? Can we do the rapid fire? I can do you, do you want to still do that or do you want to leave that on a bit of a cliffhanger for people? Because you've already talked about how you might want to do another episode about that change from being in a low place to a high place. I think you could leave it as a cliffhanger episode, for people. I feel like this episode is gonna be so long now. What's the harm in five minutes of rapid fire for people to All get? Alright, go on then. I feel like but Jess, you told, you told everyone to date that it's rapid fire. I think and that means there's fun. an expectation. Sorry, yeah, go on. It'll be more fun to it'll be a fun note to end on because people will get to know me a little bit better. Okay. That sounds good. This um, is gonna be truly like the other guests you've had, including myself. We're all very slow with rapid fire. I'll that means it's one, the pressure's on you to really hit this out, I am, okay? I have practice. I'm okay. ready. I've asked these questions loads of times now. All right, they're coming at you in a random order, though. What's your biggest pet peeve? People being rude to those they consider below them. Next on your travel wish list. West Cork. If you could go off the grid indefinitely, what three things would you bring with you? An um, analog film camera with loads of film, a Victoria Swiss knife with all the gadgets, and a notebook and pen. Ooh. What are you most proud of? My friendships. Oh, that's a nice one. Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? 
introvert out and out. When I was up until the age of 18, I was a huge extrovert. Now I'm the opposite. Ooh, in the middle. Uh, Favourite breakfast? Fried rice. Preferably freshly cooked nasi goreng in Indonesia, but any sort of leftover stir fry with a green juice on the side. Whoa, that's the most exotic breakfast I've heard, but I like it. Weird. One thing you couldn't live without? (laughs) Sleep. Um, One thing I couldn't live without? Love, 100%. Nice. If money wasn't an object, what would be your dream job? Um, I want to own a fashion house. Oh, that's pretty so neat. Uh, what's the one thing you recommend more than anything else in the world? I'm going to cheat and give two. One, buy a film camera, even if it's disposable. What, like, actual thing that I recommend is a podcast episode of Tim Ferriss with Dr. Gabor Mate. It's very long. It's very serious. It will teach you so much about yourself. Is that available on most podcast podcast platforms? Everywhere. So Dr. Gabor Mate, Dr. G-A-B-O-R space M-A-T-E. Send me a text. I'll send you the link. That's awesome. This this for all the audience. Um, Anyone send me it and I'll link it. That's a great one. Is there someone you admire? Maybe a hero of some sort? I'm gonna copy what Matt said the other day. Um, me tomorrow. No, I don't. I have a couple of people. Um, the people I admire most in this world are my parents. They're both really, really different people. So I admire them for very different reasons. I hope to be able to like emulate their characteristics that I love in life. Um, my favorite, the two business people I admire the most for different reasons are. Cindy Eckert, which I explained the last day, um, boss lady. Um, I admire all young tra- trailblazers. So nobody's perfect. Everyone's got issues, including all of my heroes. But people like Greta Thunberg, Malala, any boss woman that's doing anything in the world, like I'm, I'm just their number one fan. Um, and also. I've learned a lot about the financial world and I've learned a lot of my how I look about how I look at money and investing um Mr. Warren himself oh yeah and Bill Gates because I think that there's a lot to be said for intelligent people with lots of money that want to do good in the world that's a lot of heroes you well, can have like a whole team of Avengers with that amount. Hero. The only hero I have is myself. Um, they are people that I admire and people that, I guess the heroes in the sense that people make my life easier. And then I didn't mention like my best friends, um, Adrian, Nadia, Rowan, David, Kim, Lauren, Avine, like Danielle, my sister, number one. Anyone you've left out now is going to start to feel really hurt. <laughs> I'm only teasing. All right, next one. Um, If money wasn't an object, what would be your dream job? Fashion designer. Nice. Ideal date night? Some sort of outdoor activity. Probably swimming, anything. And then 
just lying under the stars for hours talking about oh that's nice and final one billboard question what would it be what would you slap on the side of a billboard to let everyone know that is how the name of this podcast came about i would if it had to be like one message i would just put breathe in huge letters um if i had to put a message is breathe nobody has a clue about what's going on in the world in life in anything and where that phrase came from we had to like spice it up a little because this actually comes originally possibly from the talmud which is the jewish text i believe if i've butchered that and offended anyone i'm really sorry it's a quote that's been associated with many many writers over the years so the original source of it is a bit messy um but the phrase we see the world not as it is we see the world as we are that is everything to me because my philosophy in life is that you can be the richest or the poorest person on the planet you can be the most or the least successful the only thing that matters is your mindset and how you interpret it i think that is a fantastic place to end jess thank you so much for giving us a deeper insight into who you are and who the voice is behind the last five episodes and the many more episodes to come that was awesome thank you so much i couldn't have asked a better person um to flip the to flip the roles with um anytime at all yeah. If you want to find your socials, I'm assuming you'll leave them down in the description box below yeah. on whatever platform Instagram, that is. You're Instagram's to. the most used. That's Jessica O'Leary. So Jessica with two A's and then O'Leary. I'll tag that. And then LinkedIn. Love for people to reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's just my name. And my Twitter handle is a bit of a funny one. It's at Schmafia. So S-C-H-M-A-F-I-A. Fantastic. Make sure you go check her out, guys. And I'm sure you'll get even more content from your um, news Same same goes for everyone. Uh my if you want the show notes, drop me a line. And again, Alex, I just want to thank you so much. I normally ask the guests at the end if there's anything that they want to like say to the audience in terms of like parting words or any asks. And my ask to the audience today is one, think of three people in your life who are kind of struggling right now. Um, that shouldn't be hard given the current climate we're living in. Just drop them a line, let them know you care and that you're there to listen if they need help. Um, and the second one is take some time for yourself today or this week. You know, if you're the kind of person that needs to pencil it in your diary, do that and do something just for you. I really reject the idea of self-care. I, I, re I reject it because self-care it makes it sound like a pity party that needs to be hosted every once in a while that needs to involve face masks like fuck that um mm. self-care is something that should be part of your day every day so i challenge everyone to find a practice this week that makes them feel more grounded so maybe that's setting an alarm to go to bed maybe that's writing three things you're grateful for every day maybe that's doing that 10 minute Sam Harris meditation that you've been putting off for months. Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's telling your mom you love her. Um, just do one thing every day this week. There's some great lasting words. 
I have practiced this. <laughs> <laughs> you have, very true. Um, right, I'm, actually, I'm actually terrified to know how long this is going to be. I think it's we're close to the two hour mark. Woo! Okay. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm not sorry because I think that if anyone, a lot of people have asked me a lot of questions to like want to know about me. So now you have all your answers. Hopefully that covers it. And if not, well, another episode can surely not be that far around the corner. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Listen, thanks so much, Alex. And we'll talk no later in the week as well. Yes, sounds good. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy thanks, the rest of your day. Afternoon, I hope the video was okay too. We'll find okay. out. Maybe this just didn't record. <laughs> All, All right. right. See you later. See you later.